11 minutes past 9 o'clock, as I said, Reino De Beer joins us on the line. Reino, good evening and thank you for joining us, man. Um, yes, good evening. Thank you for inviting me. Only a pleasure, man. So, Reino, let's start off by looking at the issues that um, you took to court. I mean, the lockdown regulations, you know, many, many people uh, from many sectors of society are obviously deeply upset uh, by the ongoing lockdown regulations. Um, some people are saying that, listen, we don't have access to be, to be, be able to do money, I mean, to be able to earn money. Um, you know, either through work or alternatively through the businesses that they run. Many other people are looking for simple conveniences such as cigarettes. Uh, why did you take this matter to court? Um, the reason why we specifically took the matter to court was that um, because we are we mainly specialize in landlord-tenant disputes, uh, our organization received uh, something like 3,000 complaints from um, predominantly tenants uh, who have been abused by the landlords. Uh, disconnection of electricity and illegal evictions, uh, illegal knockouts took place. And the police simply did not attend to it. Uh, we've tried to get the assistance of the authorities. Um, no one wanted to, to do something. So, And we were actually waiting for uh, some political party or other organization to took this matter to, to court. And eventually we've decided that we need to do it ourselves. So obviously you took the matter to the high court. Um, and in the high court, the, the high court basically made the decision that the regulations under level three and level four of the lockdown are on are, are unconstitutional on that basis i mean what were some of the issues that you had taken and argued before the court to say that these are things that you are concerned with in terms of the specific regulations um and and you know how did you obtain success in that well uh, there were many um that we we relied on um firstly we relied on the fact that we believed that the uh, the disaster or the national, uh, the promulgation of the uh, national state of disaster was was invalid. Um, the, we've we've uh, said that obviously that the uh, the regulations promulgated under it was uh, were also invalid, and we've uh, we specifically relied on. Um, we believed that. Uh, the International Health Regulations Act of 1974 should have been utilized uh, to combat and, and, and act against uh, COVID-19. Um, and uh, that was never used because uh, that specific act made provision that the president himself would have taken control of the, of the process overseen directly by parliament. And um, yes, so, so, so that was a, a crucial point. The other matters, uh, we said that in case the court does not declare the lockdown regulations as invalid, uh, we said that in terms of the Labor Relations Act, the Essential Services Commission was supposed, uh, the, the Essential Services Committee was supposed to uh, address the essential services matters exclusively and not the minister of, of Kochta. And um, then also we said that 
the lockdown regulations don't even make provision for the people to protest against it. So we also said that the Regulation of Gatherings Act should have, uh, should have applied um, uh, superseding the lockdown regulations, allowing people to, to be able to protest against the lockdown regulations as well. Those were mainly the, the main points that we've argued on. I mean, at this particular stage, it came as, I think, welcome news because ultimately there was many questions that were raised in and around the um, lockdown and the re- lockdown regulations per se. And I guess a lot of people wanted to have certainty on, on many aspects of the lockdown. Um, however, as you well know, the case, obviously, the judge made the uh, decision that uh, government basically has 14 days within which to respond and to act and to reverse these uh, particular regulations and to go back to the drawing board. Um, however, we know that they are going to appeal this particular matter. So where does this leave you now? Has this victory ultimately been delayed? Is this victory under threat of government going and saying that, well, listen, we're going to do something completely different and um, we're going to take this matter to court and government itself says that they are confident that another um, court would come to a different uh, conclusion. So how are you going to deal with it on that on that basis? <laughs> Gushal, I, I, when I hear that, um at uh, the moment when I heard that a government decided to uh, to uh, to appeal the matter, I was really laughing um, because um, the the main issue in in court was, and and this is unfortunately something that uh, other legal experts who, um, who who made their remarks on on this judgment uh, after only reading the judgment uh, failed to acknowledge is that. Um, and, and I didn't uh, uh, mention this as all, at, at all because uh, they were not part of the arguments and, and the process itself. But the, the problem that the court had to deal with is the fact that the answering affidavit of, of government was totally dysfunctional. Um, the, 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 the judge was totally... Um, he constantly had to ask questions to the counsel for... Uh, to, to try and get answers why these things happened and why these decisions were made uh, in, in, to decide on specific regulations and the government failed to answer. There's no, uh, strangely enough, we've attached something like 28 documents to our affidavit, our founding affidavit, um, uh, is uh, stretching from from uh, scientific um, research that were done, problems uh, or, or and, and 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 documents published by the WHO. Oh, it, it was extensive, and the government did not even answer to any one of them. In fact, uh, any legal expert will tell you that if a, a, a document or paragraph or something in a, in, in an affidavit, filming affidavit is not specifically denied or challenged. It is accepted that the, 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 uh, the, uh, the minister um, accepted that it was the truth. So I don't know how the government is going to succeed with, with an application for leave to appeal if they basically agreed with what we were saying. Um, it's going to be interesting, uh, to say the least.
No, indeed. I mean, and I guess all of us are waiting with bated breath because, as I said, I think that a lot more is at stake here than just simply uh, a couple of regulations that people don't like. It's obviously also the constitutionality behind it, uh, the fact that you have a government that is making certain decisions, um, albeit outside of the usual constitutional framework. And I guess the key question is, is it ultimately constitutional? Is that the driving force behind the bigger, broader question that you're asking um, when it comes to government's action in this particular instance? Well, um, it's, it's time that we start to, to, to ask the government what, uh, what, what uh, made them decide to go into lockdown in the first instance. Did they follow? Uh, was it a matter that uh, the moment when the Europeans went into lockdown, it was something like a monkey-see, monkey-do monkey business? Uh, that they just copycatted it, or did they really uh, actively look into our socio-economic uniqueness of of our country and Africa as a continent and made a decision on that? Those were the, the, the questions we wanted the minister to answer, and she failed to answer to that. Um, the, the, the problem that we are sitting with is that we don't understand. On the 15th of March, um, when the declaration of the national state of disaster was made, um, all 14 uh, political parties in government agreed with what the government is going to do. None of them objected. So it, it means that they also had to receive the same information government was at that stage considering to declare the national state of disaster. And none of these political parties, it, it's only recently when the DA and the Freedom Front Plus came, came, to, came forward and started challenging, but, uh, but, but that, is, uh, that challenge is, is very suspicious, uh, and, and that is something for, for that maybe if we do have time, I can quickly go in there. But the, the, the fact of the matter is that, that um, the government failed to tell the people of South Africa specifically why they had to go into to, 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 um, to a lockdown and whether there is not something else that we could have done. Um, that, that those are the, the main things. And yes, it resulted in massive human rights violations. Um, it's... It was so terrible for me to to uh, attend to a phone call from a single mother, uh, uh, as an example, who, uh, who told me that she and her children are hungry, they are starving, and I, I simply couldn't do anything about this. And those are the things that the government did not take into consideration. Um, we would like to know eventually uh, what were the effects or the um, the negativity of the lockdown? And not I'm not I'm not going into the validity of the COVID-19 disease itself, but but isn't it that more lives were were lost because of the lockdown? And uh, while we were trying to save lives on the COVID-19 side. Um, those, it, it, unfortunately, at some stage, those statistics will have to be addressed and the government will have to answer to the people of South Africa.
100%. Reno, thank you so much for your time. A very interesting case uh, as well. <clears throat> Excuse me, just have a frog in my throat there very quickly. Uh, just as a final question before you go, um, are, you, are you ready for the appeal? Are you ready for, to face government in court and have them, um, you know, basically try to challenge or attempt to challenge what you are taking to court at this stage? Yeah, oh, no, we're definitely uh, ready for them. Um, it's, it's, it's like a chess game. Uh, we, we've already anticipated the, the moves um, well ahead. And uh, we, um, <laughs> we, uh, we've already used, uh, or uh, we almost finished using the pebbles in our slingshot. Um, and it's, it's, it's almost time to take out our big cannons, um, figuratively speaking, of course. Um, so so um, we, we are more than ready for the government to, um, to, to face them in court again. And I'm sure of it that um, from the overwhelming support that we got after this, um, we know that the people of South Africa are standing behind us and give us their support. And we are thanking each and every one of you as citizens, fellow citizens of South Africa, that, that we need to bring... Um, the government to a point whereby we say that the people are governing this country and they are merely the stewards of our country. Um, the government must start realizing that. Sure thing. Thank you so much. All the best to you, Reino. There was Reino De Beer. He's the uh, president of uh, Liberty Fighter Net. Uh, sorry, let me just uh, get that right. Liberty Fighters Network. Um, and this is obviously on the case that he won or that his organization actually won um, just a week ago. Now, to help us expand on that particular conversation is Jocelyn Fember, who is actually an attorney and managing partner at J. Fember Attorney um, here in Santon, um, obviously explaining the, the, the appeal and, and what the follow-up and potential is to this. Jocelyn, good evening and thank you for joining us. Hi, Gushwal. Thank you so much for having me. Only a pleasure and, and really thank you for speaking to us about this one. So obviously, Jocelyn, I spoke to, um, and, 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 and it baffles me now why I can't remember who I actually spoke to, but I sp- just last week, standing in for Aubrey Masango, I actually spoke to mm. a legal expert about this particular matter. Um, and, and it seems that this case is not very clear cut, that government actually does have a dog in this fight uh, in terms of being able to appeal this matter. And it makes it difficult at this stage, I guess, to declare a, an outright winner or an outright loser for this particular appeal, isn't it? Yes, indeed. Um, you're correct in stating that um, just the circumstances surrounding the matter, as well as the papers in the application, are not yet publicly available. So it is only possible to understand the attack on the regulations and the defense mounted in response based on the judgment itself. However, there are there are a few things that are clear. The first thing is that the applicants challenged the declaration of a state of disaster and the regulations as a whole. They sought to allow all gatherings subject to conditions. In the alternative, they sought to have an order allowing all businesses to operate subject to safety conditions. Um, The central flaws that have been identified in the judgment are that, firstly, the court fails to test each regulation individually, um, secondly, it applies a proportionality approach rather than one of rationality. And lastly, it muddles the rationality review and the limitations analysis in terms of the Constitution. 
I mean, that's actually quite a few things there. And, and ultimately, you know, the court, um, you know, someone was at pains at, at pointing to the fact that the court was actually in a bit of a rush. And I just remembered who I spoke to. It was Lawson Naidu from KSAC. I can't believe it. And I hope he doesn't smack me the next time he sees me for forgetting <laughs> that I actually had a conversation with him. But, um, you know, the one thing that Lawson had pointed out was that, look, the judge was under pressure because of time. Uh, it was an urgent yes. application, but ultimately it would have been ideal to have seen some form of analysis looking into those individual regulations that have supposedly been declared unconstitutional because now you can basically have um, uh, a government going to court and saying that you claiming we irrational, but you were ir- irrational yourself in not telling us where our irrationality stems or where it's actually placed. Yes, and, and, and you're, you're quite correct in stating that urgent court often lowers the standards of care with which um, cases are litigated and with which judgments are prepared. But with respect, this ought not to have happened in such a matter of importance. So, I mean, where to from here? Because ultimately, and, and this is what's the scary bit for me, I think the, 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 the most obvious question to ask at the stage is, what happens then to the judge's order that within 14 days, the Minister of Cogta and everyone else basically has to go back and look at these regulations and uh, attend to them? Um, what does that do to the actual judgment now that we know that there's an appeal in the works? All right, so pending uh, appeal proceedings, um, the judgment would be suspended and the current lockdown regulations remain fully in in place. Um, The other thing is that remedies which would have been available to citizens who were wronged under the regulations that have been promulgated to date, uh, for instance, where regulations were unconstitutional and they impacted on the rights of citizens, um, instances where citizens were arrested or paid fines, those remedies would be suspended. The only exception to this, um, this general rule is, is what is contained in Section 18 of the Superior Courts Act, um, wherein application by any interested party could be made for the order to stand, and that would force COCTA to comply with the remedial action rather than to avoid it. Um, I would imagine that those affected by the tobacco ban would bring yeah. such an application. They, they would argue perhaps that the tobacco ban is unlawful and that it is just and equitable for the order to stand pending the appeal. Um, and no doubt uh, those parties will argue that the ban is an encroachment of individual rights and therefore they will argue the execution of the order pending the appeal. If it's successful, it may mean, and I'm putting great emphasis on the word may, um, it may mean that a court will grant that party relief but it still isn't very clear what kind of relief, because would you know you ask yourself the question: Would Cogta still have to remedy the regulations within the 14-day period, or would they have to remedy it within an extended period? Um, the you know the, the, the waters are still very murky, and there are no clear answers at the moment. I mean, it it is quite a mess at this point in time because um, so ultimately, yes. government doesn't actually have to do anything within the next two weeks. Uh, mm. pending the appeal, ultimately. So so we're basically still in the very same position. What we have to wait for now is the appeal to be heard and then a decision to be finalized at that particular point, unless there is some other form of valid legal intervention in the interim. Am I correct in my understanding there? Yes, that is correct. Unless, unless an interested party brings an application in terms of Section 18 and has a specific 
regulation declared um, valid to the extent that it can exist between now and between the time that the appeal is prosecuted. And I mean, broadly speaking, um, under the National Disaster Management Act, government then can... Not necessarily do as it pleases, uh, because that's not the idea also I want to give people, but they can act under that particular, um, uh, you know, within the ambit of that act. And they can then extend the lockdown as they as they deem fit. They can, uh, you know, uh, not enact, but uh, promulgate, uh, for lack of a better term, the various regulations that are then required uh, to see us through this particular period. Yes, um, strictly speaking, under the Disaster Management Act, a national disaster is not limited to a defined time limit. Um, For instance, like a state of emergency, which only applies for 21 days. Instead, a declaration of a national disaster remains valid for three months. It can be extended by the executive on a month-to-month basis for as long as the country is gripped um, with the crisis. Hmm. I mean, this this year ultimately just creates a mess, and I'm 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 taking it from this perspective, Jocelyn, because I'm not necessarily anyone with a a particular dog in this fight. But ultimately, I am concerned about, and and I would be honest with you, as someone that does fundamentally believe in constitutionalism, someone that fundamentally believes in human rights, uh, I would like to have clarity and finality in and around how this um, uh, you know this this uh, state of disaster this national state of disaster um, is is being handled by government ultimately the decisions that seemingly are being made by a few in the form of a couple of uh, ministers within the executive that seem to be part of uh, you know this closed group that is uh, part of this uh, response team that for me worries me because ultimately uh, we uh, an act would have to had to be passed by say parliament uh, where the judiciary also has a role to play in that you can take the matter to court as you see fit when and how without any limitations due to covid-19 all of that seems to have been scuppered and you have a small segment of the executive making decisions and albeit decisions that seem to be irrational at times. In particular, if you look yeah. at simple things like uh, denying people the right to smoke, but simultaneously, or not the right, but denying people the opportunity to smoke, but simultaneously you can have a drink on the side. I mean, a lot of that stuff seems irrational and we need a clear, honest answer on this. And this seems to have worsened the case rather than improved the situation. Yes, and, and we have been warned that COVID-19 could be around for months. So does this mean that we could be locked down uh, for months to come or for years to come? Um, ultimately, I think that there are two possible scenarios. First, if additional quarantine measures are deemed necessary, um, another extended lockdown or the second the lockdown ends, but it, it is reinstated in the future. Under the current regulations, the lockdown confines people unless they're, they're engaging in a particular activity or they're performing a certain work. Um, it's a restriction of the, as you correctly stated, of the civil liberties enshrined in the Constitution, including the right to freedom of movement, the right to trade, and the right to practice your religion. Um, it's clear that one of the intentions behind the, the regulations and the extension of time is to protect lives. And the executive could argue that the lockdown... Um, safeguards the right to life, which seems reasonable mm-hmm. since the Constitutional Court has held that the right to life is the most important of all the human rights. Um, I would say that there can be no nobler exercise of state power. And yet, um, degrees of nobility are not the criteria against which the limitation of civil rights should be measured. 
Rather, what is required is to test the measures taken to preserve life against the other rights that are diminished. Um, and that is done through the clause in the Constitution that allows for rights to be limited. And I think that any such analysis must look at whether limiting those rights is a proportional response. Um, that argument would probably go along the lines of the civil rights that have been curtailed are important to open um, or to an open and democratic society based on human dignity, quality and freedom and could only be limited by something as serious as the need to preserve life. But as, you, as, as you've correctly said, the state has placed an extensive limitation on those rights and it's well established in our jurisprudence that the more severe the limitation, the more compelling the justification for the limitation has to be. I mean, that for me is, is definitely worrisome. And, and as I said, it doesn't really help to have a situation where, um, you know, you have a decision of this nature. From what I understand, from what Lawson was kind enough to explain, was that seemingly what was also presented before the court on either side, by both sides actually, uh, was also quite quite shocking and that the court had very little mm-hmm. to work with in, in coming to this particular decision. However, you know, by nature, by mere virtue of what an appeal is or even any other form of um, subsequent action, legal action arising of a, out of a case in the first instance, because sometimes you have a review, sometimes you have an appeal, um, you know, you have to go back and argue what was presented in the first instance. You can't bring in new yeah. things. You can't introduce new ideas. You can't introduce new arguments. What I'd like to understand from that then, um, Jocelyn, is what are we going to be faced with in court? And if you had to quickly gaze into the future, into your crystal ball, what do you think the ultimate outcome will be based on what we're going to hear from um, you know, both sides in this, in this appeal and what the outcome is, what, what the court is likely to find? I think that if this were before a court, any judge would have to determine whether the lockdown is reasonably capable of achieving its intentions, uh, its stated intention of saving lives. Um, the falling rate of the infections uh, showing that the lockdown has achieved this, this process can be used in support of the statement. But the court will also have to determine whether there are less restrictive means available to achieve the same, to achieve the same objective. Um, the various regulations that limit specific constitutional rights in very different ways um, that is for the applicants to plead the constitutional challenge with sufficient precision to enable the government to respond accordingly. Um, the applicants would also have to adduce evidence in support of the challenge. Um, ultimately, of course, I think that the onus would lie on the state to justify the limitation under Section 36. And if the justification depends on facts, to put up the necessary evidence. I do think that um, based on the way that the judgment was worded and the challenges to the rationality mm. um, applied in the judgment, an appeal would be successful. Huh. Uh, that, well, that would definitely make things very interesting then, uh, you know, mm. in, in, in taking us forward and in, in moving through this particular period. I mean, obviously, ultimately, all of this stuff is time dependent. Um, I'm sure that there's many people who are sitting at the periphery, who are looking at some of the regulations, who would like some of these regulations to be overturned and to be challenged, uh, are probably a little frustrated and waiting to see how all of this is going to happen and when. In terms of timelines, what are we looking at? Because we know now that uh, seemingly um, the state of disaster 
um, for all intents and purposes, is going to go all the way through to um, July, you know, the midpoint in, in, in July at the very minimum. Um, are people going to get any relief before that? Or are we sitting in for a bit of a long haul if you, we are going to go the lawfare matter in this, uh, or the lawfare route in this particular matter? It is going to take a while, and in the interim, all rights are suspended. Except, of course, like I mentioned earlier, if you bring an application in terms of Section 18 of the Superior Courts Act. Um, the example that I use being the um, tobacco organizations. The prosecution of an appeal does take quite some time. Um, first, it has to be noted, and then within 40 days of noting the appeal, um, uh, an application is made to the registrar writing. So it is, it is quite a lengthy process because of the amount of pleadings um, that are exchanged and the process involved. So it, it most definitely will take a long time for any remedial um, action um, to be taken by anyone who's been affected by the lockdown regulations and any subsequent invalidity in light of the, the Constitution. Yeah, well, it's an interesting situation that we're facing at the moment. Really, I, I appreciate your time at this stage, Jocelyn. Uh, let's see how all of this unfolds and, and you know, where we end up. Before, because, the, you know, from, from my reading of the situation, based on what you're saying, <laughs> you know, there seems to be high probability of government coming back and telling us, okay, we're at level one, go back to your lives yeah. as normal, except for wearing a mask and sanitizing as much as possible, maintaining social mm-hmm. distance uh, in the process as well. But basically go back to your life and uh, your lives as it used to be, uh, but for those issues, um, before anyone would be able to actually give us any certainty in a court of law. Yes, and, and at this point, I think that if anything, the trajectory of the, the disease and the circumstances surrounding it isn't very clear. But the silver lining in the loss of our liberties during the state of disaster is that the Constitutional Court has coupled the right of life with the right to dignity. Um, this is important because mm. since being confined uh, for an excessively long time is a breeding ground for the infringement of someone's dignity, especially when that person lives in an informal settlement or a high-density, low-income household. Um, from a political morality point of view, state coercion can only be justified when it's consistent with the dignity of the person affected. So, um, I mean, that's the silver lining at this point, is that um, all the rights violations that have been happening since the beginning of lockdown, um, there is some sort of recourse for people whose rights are violated by, um, by government. For sure. Thank you so much for your time. All the best to you, okay? Thank you so much, Prashwa. Cheers. There was Jocelyn Fember. She's an attorney as well as the many, um, a managing partner at J. Fember Attorneys in here in Santon. And um, look, I, I can't help but agree with every last bit of analysis on that one. I think that even though there is some victory to be taken out of this case from last week, it doesn't really mean quite anything because government can still go ahead and do as they see fit until such time that the appeal is heard because they've lodged an appeal. You know, 